0: I ain't nothing but a simple man They call me a red nickel a reckon that I am But this thing's going on, make me mad down to the core I have to work like a dog to make ends meet There's crooked politicians and crime in the street And I'm madder to hell, and I ain't a gonna take it no more
1: Good morning, good morning, good morning just Charlie Daniels kicking things off for us On the Lone Star Outdoor to Show to Abel Smith here, simple man. The name of that one, man. Uh, we lost a good one when Charlie passed away a couple weeks ago, and I meant to uh, mention it earlier. What a gentle spirit, a hell of a nice guy, and a true patriot. He loved his country, no doubt about that. Uh, and you can find our uh, our interview with Charlie, which I think is a couple years old, but the dude loved crappie fishing as well. Uh, but you can find that by just searching Charlie on the uh, Lone Star Outdoor Show website. It'll pop up. Uh, Great listen. Still stands up, no doubt. Um, Man, we've got a great show lined up for you today. So you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the one granddaddy passed down years ago. And if it's like mine, it's still got mud caked on it from duck season's come and gone. Uh, But off the top, we will be joined in studio by a little fellow who recently shot his first big game animal, uh, Henry Guy Smith. will join his old man and we will talk about that process of him coming to dad and saying, hey, you know, I really want to shoot a deer. And we sped that process up this spring due to quarantine and just having tons of time on our hands uh, to, to go out to the deer lease and, and really get familiar with uh, the rifle that I'd given him. Uh, so we get his take on it. Was he nervous? Um, what about the struggles of getting him comfortable in a deer blind? That was man, that was a major hurdle uh, that, that I had to sort out. Then the journey of uh, taking the animal to the processor and letting Henry choose what he wanted to do with it. I mean, the whole gambit, we're going to get into it today. Uh, if I can pry a couple sentences out of the kid, we'll see. Uh, but he's going to be here then we will spend the remainder of the show with someone who I think y'all will find a very fascinating guest, uh, Chef Eduardo Garcia, fellow First Light pro team member. And this dude has overcome a lot. I was already a professional chef and a passionate backcountry hunter when he suffered a terrible uh, accident while three miles into the Montana backcountry on an elk hunt by himself. So, how did he overcome the loss of an arm, <laughs> and uh, and is still able to get out there and and fly fish and bow hunt and do the things that he loves? Uh, so, we'll talk about that journey, and then also food, the magical piece of culture that I think ties us together more than anything else. Right? We all love food, and so we'll talk some wild game, a little backcountry hunting, and uh, and who knows what else. But uh, lots to get into. With Eduardo coming up here in just a little bit, so that's what's on the docket for today. Gonna be a good one. I'm certainly excited about it. Um, let's do a uh, let's do a quick giveaway and then get rocking and rolling. And today we've got a great giveaway: a new Stealth Cam Fusion. This is their brand spanking new cell camera option. It uh, comes in at a very affordable price point when you look at all the other cell cameras on the market. It's the Stealth Cam Fusion. We're going to give it away to one of you guys or gals. Just email the word stealth, that's stealth, to lonestaroutdoorshow at gmail.com and we will get you entered into this week's giveaway. Um, let's take a quick break. We've got so much to do today. Don't want to waste any time. We'll be right back with Henry Guy Smith live in the studio next on the Lone Star Outdoors Show.
2: One more second. Solid it took another thought, a closer.
1: columbia is world renowned for its beauty and wildlife and vancouver island is revered as a magical place by hunters vancouver island coastal bear adventures specializes in taking mature trophy black bears with 18 inch minimum skulls in the six and a half to seven and a half year range they also have roosevelt elk tags and only take boone and crockett bulls each fall 60 percent of their guiding area is located on private land so whether you're looking for a boone or black bear once in a lifetime roosevelt elk or a giant cougar They've got the hunt for you. Visit Vancouver dot com to book your hunt today. That's Vancouver Island com. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffman for Bears Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Fares once again, the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best built machines in the industry. But don't Take our work for it. watch the videos at bobcatadvantage.com or see bobcat machines in person at bobcat of north texas in lewisville fort worth cedar hill longview mckinney paris and sherman visit bobcat of today i hear the crackle of a campfire you're howling at the moon we
0: all know that you gotta go but does it have to be so soon bet somebody's yelling last call I hope you get some rest. I hope you found everything that you wanted in the place you love the best.
1: Well, had to be Turnpike Troubadours bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show. Cable Smith here with you. Turnpike, of course, Henry's favorite band, has been for as long as he could talk. And the name of that tune, Pay No Rent, one of the most requested ones for sure in my truck. Uh, so we're about to visit with Henry since he shot his first big game animal two weekends ago. But before we share that incredibly special moment between a father and a son, and uh, I'm smiling right now, and I'm looking at him, he's smiling right here in the studio. Uh, This segment of the show is proudly brought to you by All Seasons Speeders and Blinds, which All Seasons has long been a a big part of our show. Um, But they're as integrated into this experience as perhaps any other company. I mean, we shot, or Henry shot his black buck out of a big chingone, and it was feeding at an All Seasons Feeders. Uh, they are a family-owned company, a Texas tradition. You can find their entire lineup of blinds and feeders at allseasonsfeeders.com. With that being said, Henry Guy Smith, welcome back to the show, son. Hi. <laughs> are you nervous? No. No. Were you nervous when you shot your first deer? Kind of. Yeah. Well, we're gonna talk about that today, but before we do that, let's mm-hmm. talk about quarantine. What was what's quarantine been like? Being a seven year old kid.
0: Mm, kind of boring.
1: Yeah. Do you miss school and seeing all your friends and stuff? Mhm. Playing sports. Yeah. But we're finally back to like sports uh-huh. again. Yeah. And. The only thing that I've gotten kind of grossed out is when you have to wear the catcher's mask yeah. with those other kids have been wearing. I'm like, oh, man, you're going to get Corona done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you had your last game yesterday. So now we're moving on from baseball back into soccer. Yep. So life's like getting back to a little more normal, wouldn't you say? Yeah. But uh, one of the fun things that we've gotten to do, and we talked about this when we started shooting, you came to me about probably about the time... I don't know maybe around the end of deer season this year, and you said, Dad, what'd you say? You said, I want to shoot a deer, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, what did I tell you?
0: I could if I practice,
1: that's right. So, and you've had a BB gun for like two uh-huh. years, yeah, been shooting that. But I noticed, I don't know, like last year, whenever you'd shoot, the BB would go to the left of the target, and it's mm-hmm. finally because yeah. I, I was like, Man, you're shooting with. You're shooting right-handed but you're shooting <laughs> with your left eye. Uh-huh. That's crazy. <laughs> so that means your left eye is your dominant eye.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What kind of gun did dad get you when you when you said that you wanted to shoot a deer? Um the
0: 2250.
1: .22-250? Er, yeah. Yeah. So we started working with that because the COVID pandemic gave us mm-hmm. plenty of time yeah. to go to the deer lease and we shot Bunch of hogs and coyotes. Mm-hmm. Um, you've sh- well, I've shot them, but you've been sitting with me yeah. during this whole mess. But every time we went to the lease, we took that 22 250. Yeah. And we spent a good amount of time practicing. And I would say that the 22 250 probably hit you in the face the first time you shot it. Yeah. Which sucked because you would just gotten stung by a hornet uh-huh. right in that same eye. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you were a mess that weekend mm-hmm. um, did you like shooting it
0: mm, yeah
1: the uh, that tripod it's called the Kofi yeah. Reaper grip that's your favorite thing to shoot off of mm-hmm. more so than like a bench even Yeah. or a table why do you like that tripod so much
0: mm, I don't know it's just easier for me to shoot off
1: I think it's because we can get it whether you're sitting or standing oh, yeah. It's we can get it to the perfect height for you uh mm-hmm. huh because it's adjustable. Yeah. So you had some success. You were hitting paper, hitting the target when you'd shoot. And, you know, you could give me a nice three-shot group of, for you, I'd say about the size of a, a cantaloupe yeah. or something like that. Um, but about halfway through, I finally just said, forget it. I want you to, sh- I want you to pull the trigger. If you're going to shoot with your left eye, it's silly to be mm-hmm. shooting right-handed. So we switched everything up. I was a little nervous about that because it was like, you know, taking one step forward and two back almost. But Mm -hmm. so you started pulling the trigger with your left hand. Yeah. Was that more comfortable for you? Probably. Even though you're right-handed? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. (laughs) Um, Well, so fast forward to last weekend. Well, I guess two weekends ago now. And uh, we had our photo of the year winner from 2019. Her name was Kenzie. She's got cerebral. um, She's got palsy. Yeah. And is confined to basically a wheelchair. But it's really cool because she shoots a gun with what? A tube. She blows into the tube. And so she was coming to Coons Canyon Ranch to hunt Axis deer. And we were going down there. And Dad was either going to shoot an Axis call or maybe a Black Buck doe. And I was like, you know what? I think Henry might be ready for that next step. And you told me you wanted to do what?
0: Shoot a deer.
1: Well, in this case, it would be a black buck doe. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then this is where I, I got to give my experience, share my experience with other parents out there. Because getting Henry comfortable in the blind was a nightmare. Like, mm-hmm. I figured when we, the first two hunts. Yeah. I said, all right, Henry, you're just going to, here's a bag. We're going to put it on the window seal, and you're just going to shoot off the bag, okay? Mm-hmm. And the first night, all we saw was whitetail, right? Yeah. Some nice bucks. And what what were their antlers? What, what do they look like mm. this time of year?
0: They have velvet on them. Right on.
1: Yeah, they were all in velvet. Um, and then the next morning, we saw a bunch of nice axis bucks. No, no calls for daddy. Um, some real nice trophies. A bunch of whitetail. And then one black buck doe mm-hmm. came out by herself. And I said, Henry... Here's your chance, buddy. Mm-hmm. And what happened?
0: And I just couldn't get comfortable. That's right. So you shot it, and yes. then the next morning, I shot one.
1: Right, but you skipped you skipped a little uh, an important part there. Yeah. So, and I got to give you all the credit, bud, because I think a lot of people, not just kids, mm-hmm. uh, but inexperienced hunters, would have taken that marginal shot, even though they weren't that comfortable. Yeah. But you were, in my opinion, wise beyond your. Years there because you yeah. said dad I'm not comfortable you got on the you got on the scope two different times and came mm-hmm. up and I was like, okay whenever you're ready Henry when you're comfortable mm-hmm. and you came off and said dad I just can't get steady I can't get the crosshairs steady yeah. so I said give me the gun <laughs> <laughs> we're going home with some meat regardless yep. and uh and dad smoked it and it fell over Dad, right there uh-huh. which told you all you needed to know about the capability of the 22-250 as far as killing a black Yeah. Buck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was, how big was that black buck?
0: Mm, like 30 pounds.
1: <laughs> if that. It was tiny. I don't, it it didn't have a mommy with it, so, and there weren't, and when it walked out, and I shot plenty of uh, black buck uh-huh. males, bucks, yeah. rams, um, but, and you actually have one in your room that I shot, the mm-hmm. first one I ever shot. Yeah. Um, but I never shot a doe, and I, really was like i don't i didn't remember how small yeah they were or we're not this one was tiny so we ended up what did we do with that thing
0: Oh, uh, we just cooked the whole thing <laughs>
1: we put the whole <laughs> thing on the smoker mhm and how was that meat
0: mm, it was good
1: what did we make ha- we make tacos we, yeah
0: we made tacos
1: yeah it was like basically just falling off the bone tender mm-hmm. it was so good. so good and then we and then you ate the uh, no you ate the heart from yours yeah uh, quesadilla a black buck heart quesadilla. How yeah, was that?
0: That was good.
1: Do you like heart? Mm, yeah. Henry comes by. I'm I'm cutting up all the heart in the kitchen, and he comes <laughs> by. Dad, is that <laughs> cooked? No. And then Henry will just grab a bite and just eat it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care. He is he will eat anything? Loves wild game. Um. But back to our hunt. So I'm scratching my head, kind of frustrated, not. Not because I'm, like, upset with you. I was proud of you for not taking the shot. But I'm like, how do we get this kid comfortable? And then our friend uh, Josh and Becky Gunther, my yeah, who mounted the black buck that's in your room, uh, they had their daughter Emery out there, who's eight, and she had actually yeah. shot a couple hogs. Yeah. And they had the Kofieger Reaper in the blind with them. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't think of this earlier, because Dad is shot. Whenever he's filming, mm-hmm. I put the camera next to the gun. You can put both of them on that Kofieger yeah. and record what you're hunting. Um, and I, I, and you've shot off of it. So it was really just silly that I didn't already yeah, bring that. I, I just guess. was like, oh, you could shoot off the windowsill. But, uh, so we put the Kofieger, uh, we put mine in the blind. It got you real comfortable. Yeah. And then that next, uh, that next hunt, I think all we saw again was, uh.
0: Whitetail. White
1: tail, Yeah. Just white tail. And you were like, dad, I'm tired of seeing whitetail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Sunday morning comes. Mm-hmm. Last day of the hunt. We're heading back to uh, the Dallas area after yeah. this. We got a seven-hour drive. And I wake Henry up at 5 a.m. Yep. And say, what did I offer you?
0: Um, To not go hunting.
1: What did I say? I said I'd take you where?
0: Um, to the pool.
1: The pila pool? The, yeah. Which is really cool. Anyone who's seen those above-ground water tanks that they have on, on ranches and stuff. Um, One of the folks and where Glenn's ranch is down there in rock springs yeah. in that area he has converted one of those into an actual pila pool uh-huh. yeah. with a with a high dive yeah it's so awesome and we went swimming there the day before and I was like I'm so tired yeah. um, I offered Henry the opportunity to sleep in mm-hmm. and then later I would take him to the pool before we headed home and what did you say no <laughs> <laughs> you said get up dad we're going honey." Yep. yeah so we did And we went and sat in a different blind. It was actually an all-seasons big chingo, which gave us a lot of room Uh to get that uh, Kofieger set up. So tripod. And then, and a lot of people will tell you, don't, you should never have your barrel resting on something. So we had the Kofieger, and then we had it anchored to your shoulder, (laughs) and then we also had the barrel resting on the windowsill, which some, some people say don't do that. Uh, I think for us, mm-hmm. based off of the shot you made, it was the perfect combination. Mm-hmm. It gave us one more yeah. answer point. Yeah. So, Dad got everything set up, got the scope dialed in on the feeder area, mm-hmm. and we had one, uh, one fallow buck come in, mm-hmm. kind of hang out for yeah. a while, and then what did we see? Um. Oh. What did we see that I said? Do you want me to shoot it?
0: Oh, yeah, the fox.
1: We saw a gray fox.
0: Mm-hmm. And then I was like, wait, don't shoot it, because then you'll scare away the fallow, and if anything's going to come, it probably won't.
1: That's right. Very smart. Very smart. So we, we we just watched the fox go on about his business. It was cool mm-hmm. to see that. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say like 15 minutes later, about 6.30 a.m., here comes...
0: A black buck, and then like a doe. And then... Like five other showed up like a minute later.
1: So it was like his herd. He was mm-hmm. the big yeah, boss in yeah. And those were all his ladies, his yeah. girlfriends. Um, which, you know, it's a weird life being a black buck. Cause uh-huh. All you do is just try to fight off all the other black bucks that want to steal your girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just him and these girls come in. And the weird thing about black buck is they will not jump, what? They won't jump mm-hmm. a fence. No. It's crazy. They'll go... They'll go under or through. And if you've seen Black Buck, they will jump. Like mm-hmm. going through the pasture, yeah. they're jumping. Yeah. But like mentally they have this weird hang up. So they the they will not go in the feeder pin, mm-hmm. which is there to keep hogs out. Um so they just kind of hang out around the outside. Mm-hmm. And you're on the gun at this point. Yeah. And um and they're behind, they're behind the feeder pin. Yeah. So we've got to wait for them to do what?
0: Come in front. Why? Because they can't like shoot through the fence. <laughs> Good
1: answer. You could see them through the yeah. fence. That wouldn't, you know, if you hit the fence, you could wound them or miss mm-hmm. or. Yeah. Uh, so finally, the does come around and start feeding in front mm-hmm. of the feeder, and uh, and Dad said, "Okay, buddy, uh, which one are you gonna shoot? What'd you say?"
0: Mm, the big one.
1: <laughs> and I'm looking through the binos, and I'm like, "Well, I don't know which one he's talking about, <laughs> and I don't know if he's really even steady on it." And we had talked about shooting it either right behind mm-hmm. the shoulder yeah. or in the neck. Uh huh. What made you decide to take the neck shot?
0: Hmm. I feel like it was easier.
1: Yeah, more comfortable. Yeah. So you were basically using your body weight to pivot the gun, mm-hmm. and and you, and there's not a lot of play there, so you're moving yeah. it and it's steady. Yeah. I'm looking at you, and I see you take the safety off, mm-hmm. and then I'm and now I'm looking at the does, and and again. I'm trying to figure out which one you're even mm-hmm. on, or if yeah. you're on one. Yeah. Um, we had gone to the range. We just got a steel uh, gong we took out there, mm-hmm. and you were hitting it pretty good that yeah. um, that uh, previous afternoon. Mm-hmm. And you squeezed one off. What mm-hmm. happened?
0: At first, you thought I missed, and then I was like, it's just flopping back there.
1: <laughs> I thought you missed. Uh-huh. And I will tell you, a black buck will jump into the feed pin once shot. Yeah, because it jumped in and then it jumped back jumped, out. Yeah, because there was bl- a big old yeah. blood trail in the feeder pin, um, and yeah, it was flopping back there. And I was like, Henry, you missed. And you are like, Dad, it's it's dead right mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And, and I was like, Oh man. <laughs> and then just this wave of emotions, I think, hit us both differently. Yeah. W- what did you feel like?
0: Hmm. Kind of nervous.
1: Kind of nervous. Yeah. Once you saw that you had made a clean kill, Mm -hmm. what went through your head then?
0: Mm. Then it kind of got a little easier.
1: Were you excited? Yeah. Were you, I mean, dad wasn't like in tears, but I was Uh almost so proud of you that it was a little emotional. Mm -hmm. So high fives, hugs. Yeah. Did you know that I was proud of you? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then you couldn't get out of the blind fast enough. What did you want to do?
0: Mm, Go see it. (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, And you told me that you had shot it in the neck and we got Mm -hmm. down there. And I mean, literally, she went 10 feet, not even Mm -hmm. 10 yards, jumped into the feed pen and back out and uh, died right there within seconds. So did you feel good that she didn't suffer? Mm, Yeah. That you made a clean kill on Uh your first shot? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I was really proud of you for that because sometimes it doesn't work out. And I think if you would have shot... That black buck that Dad ended up shooting, mm-hmm. it would have been a different story. You could have made a bad shot, mm-hmm. and we would have been tracking it, and that would have been just a really terrible yeah. experience. Um, but high fives, hugs, took some yeah. video. Dad tried to smear some wood on your face. <laughs> what did I try to do? Blood. Yeah, because it was your first animal, and, I, mm-hmm. and then you didn't really, you weren't really, didn't really want me to do that. So I just kind of acted like I was gave, giving you a hug and smeared some on your face anyway. <laughs> yeah. Because so when we got back to camp. Mike was like, "Henry, is that blood on your face? That must be your your yeah. your black buck. Yeah. He knew. I told you." Um so we took some pictures and went back to camp and everyone generally speaking because it's about 7:30 at this point mm-hmm. and we were the only ones that got up to go hunting. Yeah. Everyone else is just still sleeping mm-hmm. and Henry couldn't stand it. He was like, "When are these people going to get up so I can tell them about my my buck?" <laughs> <laughs> And then he did. He told everyone in camp that. <laughs> th- what did you tell them? It was
0: three times the size of yours. <laughs> it was
1: three times the size of mine. We weren't gonna be able to smoke that one whole, huh? Yeah. Um, you got to be a part of the butchering experience, which mm-hmm. you, that's nothing yeah. new to you. You've you've helped dad. Mm-hmm. Um, you've helped me butcher plenty of birds. Yeah. I mean, you're pulling the hearts out of doves and putting uh-huh. them in a the pile, and you don't mind getting your hands dirty, so. Um, uh, I handed you the heart and yeah. then we ended up, that's what we ended up eating that uh, mm-hmm. quesadilla. And yep. Um, yeah, the heart was really good, huh? Yeah. What's your favorite part of it?
0: Mm, I don't know. All of it? Yeah. The meat part. Probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Um, and then we loaded it up, got, well, dad got it all butchered, quartered mm-hmm. in the cooler, um, hung out for a little bit and, uh. Said our goodbyes to everybody in camp, told Glenn thanks for having us, and yep. everybody else that was there, and uh, we hit the road, mm-hmm. and one cool thing that we did on the way home was what?
0: Mm, we stopped at the Atlanta River.
1: The Atlanta River, and we we uh, dipped our soles in to mm-hmm. put our bathing suits on yeah. and went for a quick swim there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, was, it was nice on a hot summer's day. Yep. Um, then we get back, and... I think it was like Tuesday before we had a chance to go to the processor. Yeah, yeah. And Henry once again was offered the opportunity to go swimming and just let dad take it to the processor. And he said, heck no, I'm going to, I want to go uh-huh, to Cinnamon Creek. Yeah. And then he picked out all the things he wanted to do with his first uh, animal. Mm-hmm. And what did you end up getting done with it?
0: Uh, meatballs. And? Um, beef jerky, I think.
1: Well, it be black book well, jerky. Yeah, yeah jerky. <laughs> yeah, so meatballs and jerky, the whole thing. Sounds like a winning competition. And then
0: you got the back straps covered in bacon.
1: That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, bud, I am super proud of you. Mm -hmm. This was a a monumental day, I think, for both of us. The one thing that I will say is I'm a little nervous now because I don't know how much trigger time I'm actually going to get because I think Mm. you're going to be nudging (laughs) nudging your way in there saying, Dad, let me shoot it. Maybe. (laughs) Do you want to do it again?
0: Mm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right, dude. Well, I'm proud of you. I love you, and uh, I look forward to our next hunt together. Okay. So there you have it, Henry reflecting on his first hunt. And, uh, yeah, it's hard to get more than a one-word answer out of him sometimes, but uh, that's just the way he is with everybody. (laughs) But he was smiling, and, uh, yeah, I think we pried as much as we could out of him. Uh, I will tell you this. It's so awesome being able to be a part of, and sort of reliving my own childhood with that boyish excitement and wonder, just experiencing the great outdoors. And while I never, I didn't even shoot my first deer till I was in my twenties, uh, I reflect back on those times spent fishing and camping with my dad. Those are some of my earliest memories and ones that still bring a, a smile to my face. And I hope that 30 years from now, 50 years from now, 60 years from now, when I'm long gone. Uh, henry will still look back on on those times we shared together and smile just like i do uh, when i think about spending time with my old man uh that segment of the presentation was brought to you by first light and the guide light short if you saw any pictures of that hunt uh, henry and i sitting there both with big smiles on our face i'm wearing the uh the guide light short i literally haven't taken these off this summer other than to wash them uh, so sometimes I'll go two, three days, right? Because, and my wife does think that that's gross, but I don't care because they don't smell. Uh, the light short, breathable, is perfect for, well, in Texas, we wear, uh, we wear boots and shorts a lot during the summer, snake boots and shorts. So uh, it's perfect for summertime, exotic hunting, backcountry scouting, or just to go to the lake or even the bar if they ever open back up. It's the guidelight Short. You can pretty much wear it anywhere, and you can find it at FirstLight.com. FirstLight, go further, stay longer. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Chef Eduardo Garcia. He certainly lived a very interesting life, and not only did he overcome one of the most tragic things that you could ever imagine happening in the outdoors, but he's also thriving and certainly living his best life. We discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
0: He said, daddies
1: don't just love their children
0: every
2: now and then. It's a love without end. Amen.
1: It's a love Hey guys, Cable here for Hunter's Box Club. This month, July, I've partnered up with them and they are offering a limited edition. And you can only get it through Hunter's Box Club, but a limited edition Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirt It's actually a cartoon that humorist Tim Spike Davis drew for me years back. But you can't get this shirt anywhere else. Plus, it comes with a European mount wall hanger and one to three items every month, hunting-related items only in Hunter's Box Club. But you can't get this shirt anywhere unless you order. And here's the cool thing. $4.99, that's all you're going to pay for the first month. That's just the shipping. You're going to get the limited edition T-shirt. And uh, whatever other hunting-related goodies are in the box this month for free. You can cancel at any time. No strings attached. So get your limited edition Lone Star Outdoor Show t-shirt. It's me in the studio sitting across from a huge buck. And uh, it says, I say, so where do you see yourself this fall? And his reply, hopefully not on your wall. Uh, It's a great cartoon. And you can't get it anywhere else. Check it out. Hunter's Box Club, four ninety nine. cancel at any time when you use my promo code, which is just Lone Star. That's Lone Star when you check out at huntersboxclub.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up, rob you blind, Well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and (laughs) the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer least or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give him a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs.
0: Nashville friends that think I'm strange to make my home out on the range. They think it's nothing but a God-forsaken land. Why don't you bring your guitar and family? And move on down to Tennessee. Well, I just smile because they don't understand.
1: It's one of my favorites. And the late, great Christmas dew, Western Sky is bringing morning, us back on the Lone Star of Show. Powered by Lone Star Beer. Hoff Power Polaris, thank you guys and gals for being here. Cable Smith with you, as there is no place I'd rather be than talking outdoors with you. So thanks for being here, as we are all set to head out to Big Sky Country, the great state of Montana. And I've said it before, I think if I didn't live in Texas, Montana would be pretty close to my second choice. Although, I feel Montana's kind of in the same boat as Texas as far as uh, folks infiltrating the state from other areas. And if I ever did move there, I would certainly would have to start selling a Don't California My Montana t-shirt. As uh, you all know, I've got one of those Don't California My Texas t-shirts. That's been the best-selling Lone Star Outdoor Show shirt ever, by the way. (laughs) But anyway, uh, we're about to visit with Chef Eduardo Garcia. And this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by vortex optics and the strike eagle 5 to 25 by 56 optic this thing is a bad mother it features an illuminated reticle for fast reads at any magnification and lighting situation uh rev stop zero system for a hard return to zero and locking turrets for fast stay put adjustments it's the strike eagle 2.0 and you can find it at vortexoptics.com vortex the force of optics and now with that being said, let's bring on our next guest, joining us from Montana. It is my pleasure to welcome Eduardo Garcia to the show.
3: Hey, it's my pleasure, Cable. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, thanks to our buddy Kevin Hartlander over at First Light for getting us hooked up. We're both on the uh, pro team over there, so great to uh, to visit with you, and thanks again to First Light. Now, you obviously don't know this, but I had eaten your food before. It was at uh, the... Uh, Rendezvous, BHA Rendezvous, in Boise last spring, and it was a delicious (laughs) sandwich. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember thinking, man, the the guy with the hook made a mean sandwich.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I was a a Wagyu to cooked slow and low on a Traeger, and uh, gosh, that was a mean sandwich.
3: That was. uh, I I certainly remember that. Um, And there was a long line, so we didn't get to visit. I didn't even introduce myself, but I certainly um, stood out. I, I, I gotta say i like the hook better than like a prosthetic i'm sure looks don't mean much to you you live a very active lifestyle but was that a choice yeah. that you made because of that
4: yeah you're, you're you're on it and i gotta tell you as the, the first i've never had this conversation this specific conversation or question so you, you, you nailed it on on bringing this one out of the bag <laughs> I, um i think when my my story first kind of gathered some headline news and I was on Good Morning America in 2013 um, I I was so proud to have a bionic uh, prosthetic attachment in and it was battery powered and I charged it the night before and kind of like Nintendo or Atari you know, we would that dates me, doesn't it? Um,
3: <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> we
4: would uh, we would have the codes up, up, left, right, down, down, and you would get bonus points or more ammo or whatever it was. And so with the bionic, um, the bionic attachment or the myoelectric prosthetic, same thing. You would fire the muscles in your forearm, and the socket that was covering your forearm had sensors that would pick up on the code of what hand movement to then make. Mm-hmm. And I remember. Being on live TV, Good Morning America, one of the most watched platforms in the world, and and my battery died. Oh wow! You know? And and thankfully it wasn't like the middle finger, you know, that it would die in in a, you know like in that hand signal. Yeah. Like some grotesque like weird hand, <laughs> you know, my hand was in this weird, you know, my my robotic hand, and it was stuck in this motion, and I kind of just hit it down towards my side, and kept trying to work with my right hand, and um and I just swore I said okay. I need something from here on forward that will not break on me, and if it breaks, it will still be functional. So for my lifestyle, I, I switched to the four-wheel drive truck of prosthetics, which is just a mechanical hook with a string and rubber bands that close it.
3: Right on. And so for anyone who's not familiar with your story, talk a little bit, and I'm sure you've told the story a hundred times, but uh, what, what exactly happened?
4: <laughs> yeah. So, Well, thanks for inviting me to share it you know, with everyone here, and my uh, first time on the show, Raised in southwest Montana, and um, after high school, I went to culinary school. I, was, I had already been flipping burgers and throwing pizzas through high school to, you know, earn enough money to buy a vehicle and buy my dry flies for fishing and whatnot.
2: Uh-huh. And,
4: um, and after culinary school, I ended up getting a job as a yacht chef, and, and then from there, traveled for about 10 years, almost a decade around the world uh, as a yacht chef. You know, um, cooking for the crew, cooking for the boss and his guests, and jumping on different boats throughout that decade. And what a phenomenal experience um, as a chef and lover of food, getting to cook out of all those markets in those different regions and cuisines.
3: Just super stimulating, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah.
4: Like, you know, I remember telling my friends from culinary school when I first got going, I said, you guys got to check this out. I'm getting paid to travel the world and cook,
2: you know. (laughs)
4: and it was a dream gig and then you you know you you fast forward 10 10 years and i watched my mom and dad you know get a little older and my little sister was no longer six she was almost 18 that just was dang you know i think i i'm ready to get home and put some roots down again and um and i was tired of sleeping in a bed that was a foot and a half wide and a foot and a half tall so you know the yacht bunks and um yeah, so so I so anyway, I, I'm kind of jabbing on, but I, I came home and and you know with with my my girlfriend at the time and with my family we decided all right, we're let's start a let's start a food company called Montana Max hmm. to try and continue to share my love of food because that's what being a private chef is is you're you're pouring all your love and all your energy into the dishes you're cooking for people and at some point I wanted to do that for more than ten or twenty people a day I wanted to really share this. Love of what we eat and why we eat and how it adds to our lives with more people, and so we thought, well, we can start a food company with organic and natural food That's one one thing that's right in line with our you know moral code, and and then you know we can add, you know market it or share it on a larger platform by um, you know a TV show, and in, in this case, uh, it was a TV show based on cooking in the outdoors. Uh-huh. You know, so. I came home off the boats in 2011, and um, with my family and my ex-girlfriend Jenny Jane, um, who was super influential, really, and, and such a catalyzer in bringing all of these ideas out of the dream place. You know, she got tired of hearing us talk about it, and and she she really was the stimulus to say, "Hey, let's make this a reality." And so we did. We started, you know, booking contracts and building the business and finding success in, in um, you know management in the television space and, and then pitching our show. And we were no kidding. So it was September 15th, we had a date to be in New York to sh- um, share the show with the Food Network and we knew they were interested, so fingers mm. crossed. And I decided to go on an elk hunt October 9th, 2011. And while I was three miles from my truck, uh, not quite in the alpine zone, still very much in the sage meets the alpine foothills of Montana, and I, I saw a metal can in, in just a nondescript drainage, and while walking past it, I'd never seen it before, and I'd been in that area a lot. I looked at it, I glanced in, and I saw just a mat of black hair, a couple bleachy, bleached out bones, and I'm talking a small pile. If, anyone's, if you're trying to visualize visualize this out there, just imagine seeing something the size of a volleyball. And, In in footprint and it was in the bottom of this can and I just thought well it's a can that you know ranchers are putting salt blocks in for national forest cattle lease or something like that and I just didn't even think anything of it right and and I took my pack off set my bow down put my knife in my left hand and kind of kneeled down just to to try and dislodge a claw from from the hand the skeletal hand of the animal and before I even got I do know, 16 inches, 12 inches from the base. They can, um, you know, I, I there, an arc of 2,400 volts came from the buried power line under that can, under the bear and jumped into my knife and, and then, you know, um, exited in nine different places throughout my body. And, um, Holy moly. yeah, it's not, not how you see your fall elk hunt unraveling, you know, <sighs>
3: Yeah.
4: In, in any sense. Um, but, you know, I, I, here I am today, so it, it didn't kill me, and I, um the journey the last 10 years has just been an unbelievable passage through, um, through so many trials, so many learnings, and so much development as a person, um, mm-hmm. you know, just getting through that self-doubt, and that, well, who the heck am I now, you know, am I still Eduardo, or am I someone different, because I'm missing my hand, and you know, I may, I remember that. I remember just thinking, well, am I going to be able to fish and hold a bow and, yeah. you know, cook for that matter? You know, so what a, what a journey. What a journey.
1: Oh, it certainly is a journey and one of recovery, no doubt, but also rediscovery and getting back into those things that you mentioned—hunting and fishing and cooking—and I want to hear all about that process. But, but of course, we also need to know how you were able to get out of the backcountry and find medical help. Uh, we'll do that next. That segment, by the way, brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. Lands the one thing they're not making anymore, but we all want it. Lone Star Ag Credit has been helping its borrowers make that dream a reality for over a hundred years. So, if you're ready to take that plunge, whether you want a property for hunting fishing recreating running cattle or just to get the hell out of the big city go to LoneStarEdCredit.com. they've got you covered we'll be right back with more from eduardo garcia on the lone star outdoor In show the
0: night is like a dagger long and cold and sharp as i sit here
2: on
1: Must be fast asleep, not thinking about me.
0: You're already gone. Wake up, Becky. Becky, I'm almost home.
1: That's our very own Cody Jinks bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Brought to you by Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Thank you guys for being here today. Cable Smith riding shotgun with you as we are visiting with Montana MEX creator, Eduardo Garcia, renowned wild game chef. But before we pick it back up with Eduardo and continue with his incredible story, uh, because when we left off, he had just been electrocuted three miles into the back country. Uh, However, this segment is brought to you by Stealth Cam's new Fusion wireless cell camera. And the Fusion has set a new price point as far as affordability in a cellular game camera, check it out. It's the Fusion from StealthCam at stealthcam. dot com. All right. Uh, well, Eduardo, where we left off, like I said, twenty four hundred volts of electricity had just shot throughout your body, exiting in nine places. Um, what happens after this? Are you do you blackout? Are you unconscious? Ultimately, how do you get out of this situation alive?
2: Yeah,
4: and that, that's what's super interesting is because. The, you know, the the cleanup crew, after I was airlifted down to Salt Lake, went and recovered, um, you know, my gear. Actually, my my brother-in-law was on that cleanup crew, and he recovered my pack and bow. And, you know, I, so basically, when I peeled myself up off the ground, this is so interesting. You know, I I had a phone in my pack. I had keys to my truck in my pack, my wallet, um, my bear, you know, my bear spray, my food all of these things that when we go hunting and head into the back country, we wouldn't leave the truck without. Right. If you forgot it, a mile in, you would stop, turn around, go get it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and yet in this instance, I left all of it. I just, I just left all of it. walked away from all of it. And I do not recall, I don't recall the first, you know, mile journey from that site. Um, I remember, my eyes opening up. I remember seeing clouds in a blue sky and wondering why I was on my back. And I remember convincing myself to get to my feet, you know, multiple repetitions. It's like being, being in that dream you can't get out of. And at and some point you start telling yourself, wake up, wake up, wake up, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and, and so I, I remember getting to my knees and that's about it. And then the next memory I have, and I, and I have gone back to that place. I've tried to piece this back together so many times. And yet the next memory I have is really the sound of, of, of my, my boots walking down a road, the valley um, looking southwest, the southeast, the valley before, below me, the Yellowstone River. And, and it, was in that, it was a western meadowlark, Montana State Bird, mm-hmm. that whistled and flew left to right across my path. And it kind of snapped me out of my haze, you know, kind of like woke me up a little. And that was the first moment where I started to put together the fact that, you know, I looked at my hand, it was super black, burnt, you could see white bones sticking through the charred flesh. And I um, I kind of pieced things together and realized that I had been electrocuted, you know, that the bear I was trying to take a claw out of that can, the noise I heard in my head, you know, I, I kind of put it all together. I was like, oh, hmm. oh Okay. You Know and I mean, it sounds so soft right now, and that, you know, 10 years later, but in that moment, I just remember I remember splinting my hands with two cow calls I had on my neck on lanyards. I remember I still have them tied together and twisted, I have them in like my grotesque memoir box, you know, my
2: boxes, you know
4: that you never going look at again. But I remember I remember splinting my hands. I remember recognizing that I had bear spray in my right hand, right? I made a point to mention all the things I left in my pack. Yeah. I take bear spray out of its holster and because I was in bear country. So I, I knew enough to think about taking that. And, and I just, I, I pointed it downhill on that road and said, all right, I got to get, I got to get to the first house I come across that has someone in it to call 911.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. Which is crazy. I, I just, why didn't I, well, why didn't I call 911 from up on the hill? And yet the human, the the primal alarm clock, right, must have been going so hard that the only thing I could think of was go get help, even though maybe I would have had an ambulance to me quicker if I would have just dialed 911. But I just didn't even, I don't even know if I would have been able to speak, you know?
3: Yeah, yeah.
4: Oh, And, now,
3: yeah. and that's, that's a grizzly country, right?
4: Yeah, so where I was at specifically was, you know, I was about 400 yards from the north entrance to Yellowstone Park border.
3: Oh, wow. Yeah, you're in the heart of of it.
4: Yeah, no, that's region three. And that's where I grew up. I mean, that is where I grew up legitimately Uh where I grew up in Montana. And um, it is grizzly country. It's bear country, grizzly country. It's everything country. And um,
2: yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I've been to, I've hunted elk in Montana once and uh, black bear once. And the black bear was up around Kalispell and we saw um, more grizzlies than we did black bear. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. First time uh, that I'd ever seen a grizzly bear. Um, Luckily, not very close. But uh, I can imagine being in that state, you know, bear spray, yeah, it's probably great that you grab that (laughs) above all else. Um, Well, getting back to, to present day. You know, in Texas, we have Tex-Mex. It's um, something that I would say is the root of a lot of my culinary endeavors personally. Um, and it, that's not like really even an intentional thing. It's just what comes out because of, uh, you know, where I live and, and that uh, cultural aspect of our food here. So what is Montana Mex?
4: Yeah. no, th- Well, thanks for asking. I um, I love Tex-Mex, just by the, for the record. Let it be known. And um and yet, I I am quick to re, to reply if I hear someone call you know say hey Eduardo how's it going with Tex Mex um, just because that's its own cuisine and, and Montana Mex is the name of our company and um, and what it is is you know right now we have a line of organic sauces we have a barbecue sauce a habanero sauce a ketchup which is you know uh, really your standard table sauces. Uh-huh. Um, we have a trio of seasoning blends, a jalapeno blend, a sweet seasoning blend, which is beautiful for caramelizing and barbecuing and desserts, and then a red chili um, sea salt blend, and then an extra virgin cold-pressed avocado oil. And and so collectively, our, our seven products that we sell direct-to-consumer on our website or or through retail stores like HEB down there in Texas, um, It it's kind of like my way of no longer being a personal chef, you know, Uh I I don't have the opportunity to cook for families and large groups of people every day. And and yet that's kind of why I left the yachting industry is I I really wanted to continue to see more people cook and not forget how to cook and 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 continue to share and develop passion and love for cooking. And so, you know, we landed in the condiment category or the condiment space. Mm And the way we saw it, it was like, um, you know, saying, "Hey, well, you know, cable, you're the you're the you're the painter, you're the artist, and we're going to provide um, the materials for you to paint whatever you want." Because I don't know if you like chicken or pork or beef or fish, yeah. um, or carrots or broccoli or green beans, and it doesn't matter to me. But when you go to make your painting, here are some trustworthy standbys that i hope inspire your journey so that you can focus on your stoke versus being afraid of how to mix flavors and so so we we just try to inspire people to stay in the kitchen and 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 play and cook and um we think it builds family time and connectivity um and ultimately we really think it i don't know we really think it builds that internal smile that internal happiness factor Um, knowing knowing that you you can cook and, you know, feed yourself.
3: Well, and if there's one positive, there's probably a few others. But the biggest one I see is from the whole COVID pandemic is increased family time, especially in the kitchen, right? Because for a long time, people were scared to go out to eat and restaurants were closed. So you you had to cook at home. And uh, and I think Americans live such a a fast paced life, especially in uh, urban areas, that it forced people to slow down and get back to food. And I think that's a good thing. Oh,
4: 9,000%. Absolutely. And, um, and, and you asked like, what is Montana max? And I feel like in so many ways, we just had our team, a team meeting every Tuesday. We have a team meeting with everybody and um, obviously through zoom and satellite now, but um, I, I, I keep coming back to the same thing with the team is that we're not so much a manufacturer of a product, even though we do do that. And yet, um, we, we almost, you know, we facilitate a place where stories can be built and shared and then passed on is what I, I like to think Montana Mex is, you know, mm-hmm. I'm from Montana. It's where I feel my spiritual and soulful connection. I'm certain of the same same connection you have growing up in Texas, right? And yeah. um, where you just you feel alive when you're when you're rooted to a place. And and that's definitely how I feel when I'm in Mon- in the state of Montana. And and then my dad, he's mexicano, you know. He, he he's he's from the Yucatan or Cancun region of Mexico. And so you know, I kind of grew up with this mix of, we would eat chicken soup, but we would put lime, cilantro, and jalapeno in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, instead of thyme, thyme or pie, yeah. cilantro, lime, and jalapeno, you know, and so Montana Mex is, you know, literally, it's a mix of, of my upbringing in the outdoors, loving eating wild game, seasonal foods, and natural organic foods. You know, we grew up ranching and farming, and growing growing food here and hunting for it. And then, of course, my legacy to my dad's side, uh, the Latino roots. And so although all of our products are not spicy, um, I would say that, you know, if you go to Mexico, not all the food is spicy. Obviously, they use a lot of spice in Chile, but there's a lot of depth of flavor in Latino cooking and Mexican cooking. And and so that really is the Montana Mex is, is bringing in just a real kind of strong presence of flavor and spice and, and then, you know, keeping it no BS, just free of any of the stuff you wouldn't want to feed your baby or your grandma.
3: Right. <laughs> I, I, uh, interesting story about the spicy aspect of, of, uh, Mexican food. My first job, much like you was, uh, actually was flipping pizzas in a, uh, a brick oven at a, a restaurant that was a senior year of high school. Then I came home from college after freshman year. My dad said, um, you have a week to find a job. It's like, okay, dad, whatever. I'm going to sit here and play Xbox, you know, leave me alone. Uh, yeah. A week later he comes and he says, did you find a job? I hadn't even looked. And I was like, no. He goes, okay, well <laughs> my friend Jerry owns a construction company. You start on Monday. All, you know, you're, you're getting up at seven. You have to be there by seven I'm like, what? And it's literally 105 degrees every day, Texas summers. So I'm, That's my job. (laughs) And it's, you know, I'm working with all Hispanic guys, Mexican guys. And they thought it was really funny to the food truck would come, you know, to the houses we were, it was a uh, landscaping company. The food truck would come through and they would order stuff from the food truck, but then they would bring their own peppers and spices. And I mean, the, the gringo, they were like, hey, let's see if we can get the white kid to try this.
2: And I yeah, of course
3: yeah. was trying to, you know, earn their respect as a n as an eighteen or nineteen year old kid. So I'd try it and you know, try not to start <laughs> sweating and then immediately like thirty minutes later have to run to the porta potty. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they they introduced me to some uh some stuff that I had never gotten in a restaurant, that is for sure. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah,
1: it's basically like hellfire shooting out your backside, but uh Let's, uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get into some of our favorite, more obscure cuts of Wild Game to work with. Sound good? Hey, it's my pleasure. Awesome. And that segment brought to you by Pulsar's new Helium 2.0 Thermal Monocular. I absolutely love the first edition. And the Helion 2 combines all the great aspects from the original unit with the latest and greatest technology as thermal continues to evolve. And here's the best part. You'll save 20%. Off your helium or any thermal monocular or bino from pulsar when you use my promo code LONESTAR underscore PL at PulsarNV.com. That's Lone Star underscore PL when you check out. We'll be right back with more on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e bike is built to last. Visit quietcat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. Oh, Magnolia, I got to hold you. Put your sweet perfume on me. Oh, my blossom,
2: I got to have me some
1: Sweeter than mimosa. A little sweet Magnolia. I was That's Davin James the Magnolia bringing us Damn back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, Maggie powered by Lone Star Beer. Cable Smith here with you today. Thanks for dropping by as we are still visiting with our friend Eduardo Garcia. Uh, before we pick it back up with Eduardo, however, this segment of the presentation proudly brought to you by John X Safaris. You know, unfortunately, I'm actually supposed to be in Africa right now, uh, but that trip was postponed due to COVID, dang it, and uh, we're going in February, but my original 2021 trip is taking place July 25th through August 2nd of next summer. If you want to be a part of that, there's like three spots left, uh, we've got a great group of eight hunters going, including myself. Uh, just shoot me an email, Lone Show at gmail.com, and I will send you over all uh, okay let's get back into it here with eduardo garcia of Montana Mex. and eduardo why don't you tell us what is your favorite animal to pursue i imagine it's elk being uh that you're a lifelong montanan uh versus what's your favorite animal to work with in the kitchen
4: i would i mean uh, chasing elk is probably my my favorite um animal to hunt they're, they're so vocal mm-hmm. um the cows and the bulls. Um, and I feel like I have the strongest relationship with that animal. Um, you know, whether it's picking up antlers to, you know, build art out of, or to sell, to buy a spotting scope with, or, you know, I just, I've been so connected with that animal's movement in my whole, you know, for so much of my life that I, I, I love walking in the elk woods. Uh-huh. And, um, it's such a fine, fine time for me. So that would be my number one, Corey. And then in regards to wild foods or wild game to eat, I'm going to flip it. And I'm going to, I'm going to say that um, I love fish and seafood and um, more and more. And, you know, I don't know if this counts as wild game, but you can steer me back to things that are on four feet or fly, but Um, I really do. Hey, if you
3: can catch it or kill it, it counts. So,
4: okay. Yeah. So I have, I mean, learning how to fly fish again after losing my hand was a bit of a mission and, and yet I'm still sloppy and I'm not a pretty caster, but I can get it done and learning how to strip, um, you know, strip saltwater flies really helped me get onto my streamer game again on freshwater. And, um, and, and I, I love eating freshwater, um, fish It's freshwater or saltwater fish is just, uh, I don't, I don't know. There's, there's something about it that, uh, maybe my dad, lifelong fisherman, I come from a family of four generations of fishermen in Mexico on his side. Mm-hmm. And so again, with food cable, okay, well, right? With yeah. Food. I think it accesses a, a few more sensors within me that, you know, so even though eating, eating, you know, eating elk, an elk tenderloin or an elk shank or an elk backstrap is I'm always going to look up and just kind of, that is good. (laughs) And yet when I eat seafood coming from Montana, you know, it's such a treat that it makes it my favorite.
3: I I feel that. I I, actually, that reminds me, I caught a a flounder down um, on the Texas coast last weekend. I need to get that thing out of the freezer and uh, (laughs) enjoy it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but I think stuffed flounder is uh, coming up on the menu. But you know, you mentioned elk tenderloin, and I'm not sure if you know Tyce Doublefield, but he's uh, very inv- uh, you know, involved yeah. with BHA, he's the chapter coordinator. Um, yeah. I went elk hunting with him in Montana last year, and I've been elk hunting, I think, uh, not as long as you, I didn't grow up doing it, because we don't have elk in, in Texas, really. Um, but I think eight seasons in a row, I haven't missed elk season, bow hunting, so it's something wow. that I've gotten into later on in life, and it, it's my, I mean, it's my favorite I don't get to do it as much. It's it's for us uh southerners, it's like we go there for a week and maybe we get one, maybe we don't. There's none of this, hey, the trailhead's an hour from the house. Let's go for a day type deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so anyway, we uh Ty shot an elk and we ate the tenderloins and we just cooked them on a hot rock in their own fat and oh my god, it was uh it was the best elk I've ever had. And elk's pretty damn good. So that's saying a lot.
4: Yes, it was. Yes, it
3: was. (laughs) You know,
4: and you got to ask. You just—it's like, hey, how much of it was experiential versus, um, you know, if you were just in a black room for ten hours and then someone put it in your mouth, would it have the same? Would it have the same effect if your eyes were open and you lived through the experience of the, you know, full Mm. day before that bite of food? You know. Yeah. And and for me, that's why I'm such a devotee, if you will, to. Why we eat, what we eat, because we do have more choices than ever, and then of course, how do we honor that? Or without overthinking it, without overcomplicating it, but just, you know, it's just, it's. I'm so intrigued by how one of our most elemental needs sometimes just gets the third degree. You know, just doesn't get the love. I can't imagine why it doesn't get. So. Mm Yeah. It's the story, right? It's all the stuff leading up to that bite off the rock where you're just like, I guess a great example cable would be, I remember being offshore Costa Rica on my first yacht, the yacht Dorothea, and the owner was on board and we were chasing probably mar- Marlin, probably striped Marlin and probably, you know, schools of Tuna or Dorado, Mahi and, Mahi. Um, and so we were going to be out all day. Maybe we even stayed out all night and, and we're, out, we're out for two days and so I bake bread, no bakery in sight when you're out in the middle of the ocean.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
4: I, you know, I'm an all right baker as a, as a chef. And, and yet, you know, not as good as a bakery would give you most likely. And yet the owner was so complimentary. You know, he kept calling it Ed's bread, you know.
2: <laughs> and
4: uh, and I, I never forget that because, I, I mean, you can't fool me so easily. And I knew that it didn't rate compared to bakery bread. But when you're 30 miles offshore, it sure looked great.
2: Right, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah.
4: So it's a circumstance sometimes that, um, you know, I think everything has the opportunity to shine um, if we just give it a moment and really kind of reflect on, you know, the, the here and now when it comes to food.
3: Absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of that has to do with how dog-tired you are after a day chasing elk <laughs> in the mountains, too, you know. I mean, you, you, you'll eat anything. Uh, mountain house is, is great. So, but you take it to you know, uh, Cloud Nine when you get a fresh bite of Elk tenderloin, which is why you're there to begin with. Uh,
2: or, or,
4: or on that note, cable, it's like it's like how about taking a Mountain House oatmeal pack or you know like a, a breakfast blend of some kind, and then adding, you know, if you find some berries out in the woods, you know, I'm gonna be the guy who's adding fresh huckleberries to my you know <laughs> apple crumble Mountain House.
2: Yeah. Just, yeah, just to spruce
4: it up, and all of a sudden it's more interesting, and then maybe. My, my brain lies to me and tells me it tastes better but it sure does seem like it.
3: uh-huh So what would you say is the most out of the box thing you like working with like and I'll give you examples of mine. The last couple of years, uh, one of my buddies and I have really gotten into sauteed duck tongues um, I yeah. think it's Asian it's Asian inspired I mean it's common for them you know in Asian culture. Not so much uh-huh. here when you tell Americans hey these are duck tongues try one they're like, what in the hell are you talking about? Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the other one which I've this has kind of been a mainstay for me for a, a while but trout roe, whether that's fresh or salt water I like to, to bread it and fry it salty delicious goodness um, mm. but also people are like what in the world are you doing with that you know it's it's just yeah. things that people think are odd so what about you?
4: Um, well, I wanna I wanna nod to one of those. You you mentioned trout row and and I actually caught a pregnant hen, I don't know, a little while back, years ago, and I felt I was like gosh, here's hundreds of trout that are now dead in my lap, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out I, I just did some online research and it's actually really simple to cure trout eggs, um, to what at a Japanese restaurant you would get like Ikura or you know, the cured salmon caviar oh, yeah. if you will. Mm-hmm. So so I've gotten in the habit of curing trout eggs when I catch them, and, and yet the dish you talked about of breading the whole roe sack and frying it, I imagine. Yep. Um, that would have been one of my dad's favorite, man. But like a, a cold red beer michelada and, and just like a pile of fried roe, uh, a little salt and lime
3: on it. <laughs> it's funny because um, that actually is, that, that came from Corpus Christi, which is definitely uh, has a lot of, uh, even more so than like North Texas, it's very Hispanic.
4: It was one of his favorites, um, but but here we go. I got to come up with something new because I can't just ride off of you. You asked me uh, what's my kind of most unique um, wild foods love right now, more or less, right? Yeah. Um, well, I I, I I like this one. I think everybody, I think anyone listening will find some value in this, and um, I. I more often than not, unless I'm super back country, I have been trying to keep my animals as whole as possible and keep every, every piece of bone. And and then I end up freezing those bones and making a big, big batch of stock mm-hmm. at the end of a season. And sometimes I'll mix all the elk and deer and antelope bones, the um, ungulate bones together. Um, and, and I'm psyched because I end up with a, a decent batch of, of, game stock which then I'll I'll usually reduce down until it's when it's cold, you can slice it like a hard set jello. And um and then I'll freeze those cubes of g- gelatinous stock and I'll freeze those that way, you know, in, in you know in the in, in little portions. And so when I'm looking to finish a sauce or really add body to some beans or rice or a soup, I have my game stock that I can pull out. Uh. Um, but but the thing that I want to add to anyone listening that I think is unique, though, is when you boil or when you simmer, I shouldn't say boil because you want to simmer. So when you simmer the bones for, you know, that long of a duration to really pull out the flavor, to extract, um, you know, break down all that collagen, which turns into gelatin and helps thicken your broth. Um, you're left with the bones, which ultimately go to the dogs or just get pitched, which is fine when you pull the flavor out. But you're, there's always the pieces the knife doesn't get on the bones that go into the stockpile. Those end up breaking down, and it's a mix of tendon, marrow, connective tissue, uh, cartilage, and, and then meat, you know, little meat pieces that are left yeah. on the knuckle joint. And, and so once you strain the pot and you get rid of all the peppercorns and leaves and carrots and the veggies, you just got to give to the chickens because they're toast. But um, you're going to have this like meat product left. And it's just all of those parts that I just mentioned. And what I do is I save those. And um, I save them in probably six ounce packs. And I use them as egg roll filling, ravioli filling, mm-hmm. ragu filling, um, taco meat. Um, you know, anywhere where I'm just looking for an unctuous, fatty, really deep flavored, almost like that, like oxtail has that deep, deep flavor because it's so full of connective tissue, cartilage, tendon, all of the above.
3: Oh man, it's good I, stuff. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So I just, I saved that up and you know, maybe one batch of stock gives me two pounds and I cut it up into seven portions, eight portions. And um I've been really enjoying the heck out of that. I just feel like it's such a different take on, you know, the, our love of the, the finer cuts, uh, you know, like a back strap or something. Mm-hmm. And and usually you would just dump it out with, with the veggies. So I'll, I'll throw that one out there on the board.
3: Well, you, you're you much more of a stock connoisseur than me. I've, I've dabbled in it and uh, spent, <laughs> we, we brought all of the, uh, one of the elk, I shot with a bow, public land, New Mexico. Um, we had horses come in and pack it out. We were like seven miles in, um, which, you know, and I've always tell people, if you can get an outfitter on, you know, have a satellite phone and get hooked up with an outfitter that that has horses, even if you're DIY, man, you save two days. And if you're, especially if you've tagged out or, you know, and your buddy hasn't, then of course he's going to help you pack your elk out. Right. But you've got going back to us Southerners coming up to your part of the world, you got a week to get it done and, and you don't want to take two days of his hunt up. So, um, we packed out all the bones on this occasion. I brought them home, put them in the freezer, went to work with them in the kitchen and stunk up the whole house and then got an ash chewing for my wife because all that collagen was just all over the pots and I didn't clean them up. I just threw them in the uh, sink like, um, they would magically just clean themselves. So, <laughs> 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 and then, and then I filled up the jars too high I, it was the first time, rookie mistake, and uh, I went to go get them out of the freezer like a week later, and they were all cracked. So Boom. Yeah. yeah, Live and learn, yeah. though. Next time around, yep. uh, I've, them, I've only filled them up like two-thirds, and um, we're good to go.
4: Well, now, Cable, I'll leave you with this, is that if you're going to make stock out there, folks, um, more, more often than not, reduce it down, so it's a concentrate, and that would be called a gloss in culinary terms, but reduce it down, and just remember, it's a concentrate, so you know, a one ounce of concentrate, call it, it's going to go. And as I tell my wife, when she pulls one out, she, she would ask me, she would say, well, how, how far can I stretch this one ice cube of, of concentrated elk stock? And I say, well, thin it out with, you know, a quart of water and taste it and see if it tastes like, a like, you know, has like the, the, the depth you're looking for. And if it doesn't, then, you know, less water or more. Right. Yeah. And so it's, Food is such an experiential journey. Um, you know, we want to learn methodology, we want to learn technique, and yet um, we shouldn't feel like we're in a zoo where we expect the same results every time. Food is such a wild journey that it's, it's just imperative to, to remember that it will always be different because we're dealing within the natural world, and, and that is part of the fun, is that it's never the same, and it keeps us sharp. It keeps us on our toes, it, you know, forces us to really think outside the box, and adjust on the fly if you will um and so um to the stock point though i would say reduce it down pour it into an ice cube tray so you have small portion size plastic is going to flex in the freezer and then once it's set in the freezer i pull that ice cube tray out and i'll vacuum pack it in in a Mm. in a bag and then i'll have a stack of them so then i'll thaw out or i'll yank out an ice cube tray at a time open it use as many cubes as i want put it back in you know
3: Mm. Awesome. Yep. I will definitely incorporate that into the next batch of stock that gets made. Um, nice. As we are wrapping things up here, what would you say is your, your bucket list hunt that you have not gone on yet? You're <laughs> going to
4: laugh. Well, there's, because there's two. One, one, one's in the lower 48 and one's not. Um, I, I've been wanting to go on a ram hunt for a long time. Yeah, I, I did go... In 2016 here in montana was unsuccessful um but I, I would really like to go up into the northwest territory and spend time
2: you drew there. a tag uh,
4: I, I haven't uh oh you mean for my ram hunt montana yeah uh unlimited there's five different unlimited uh hunting districts in montana oh, wow. um, so but uh, that is a species that's still very much um and it's from a flavor point of view you know i i, I want to I want to taste it, um, mm-hmm. and, but then I, w- I just want to say this because this is what I thought you would maybe find just ridiculous. But um, I, I love eating swine, and um, and I, I love the idea of going on a pig hunt. You know, and if I could, if I had my dream, I would go on a pig hunt once or twice a year, and I would use that into my blended charcuterie where I want fat in my sausages uh-huh. um, versus buying it out of a box.
3: You well, you, you got an open invite here, uh, Kevin from first light actually been down here and, and shot his first hog with me last year last spring and then we had plans to do it in this spring but of course uh covid came around and so they uh they stayed in Idaho <laughs> uh, but yeah man open I will invite I you up
2: on that
3: yeah anytime i've got tons of places to hunt pigs we don't have any shortage here as as we're wrapping up last thing eduardo i saw your brother yeah. was recently victimized by the looting in LA what happened, and uh, is he okay? This is your twin
1: brother, right?
4: Yeah, yep, that's my my twin brother Eugenio, and um, you know, he was always the scrapper uh, in high school, in elementary school, and maybe even in his twenties. Uh, I don't think he'd mind me saying he was. Always, I was always the peacemaker, and he was always the one who's happy to box, you know. <laughs> and and I have to think there was a moment there that. You know, he was able to intuitively get out of a very bad situation, um, a very bad situation. And, um, and and you know, we, we're grateful that he, he didn't have any physical damage to him. Uh, his store was completely gutted. And um, like everybody else, you know, it's um, what a moment to kind of get shaken down to your fasteners and wake up on your foundation and say, all right, well, do we we got to clean up first and then do we rebuild? Do we redirect? What do we do? And so, you know, it's um, we're, he, he's got a lot of support. Thanks for asking about him, I appreciate yeah. it. And, and if not anything, you know, he is trying to look at the bigger picture of why, um, you know, why, why, why try and save the store? Is that really what we want? And or am I, uh, how to be at the right place at the right time? You know, mm-hmm. for so many different reasons.
3: So he's okay just the store was uh, destroyed.
4: Exactly. Okay. Yep.
3: Right on. Right yeah. Yep. Well, you know, it's sickening what's happening to our country right now. Diversity has always been what makes America so great and today it seems like it's tearing us apart. So I guess the, you know, my message would just be just love. I mean, that's all you can do. Um and we'll try to we'll try to pick up the pieces and move forward. Uh, if you want to uh want to give us your website. Give us your website and your uh, social media outlets so folks can follow along with your culinary experiences and, and hunting <laughs> adventures as well.
4: Yeah, thanks, Cable. Uh, folks, for any kind of culinary, culinary or food-related uh, interests or learning, go to montanamex.com. So not Tex-Mex, but montanamex.com, right. <laughs> and, and that'll be a direct link to. Um, to my brand and there's um, some just terrific information not just about the products that we make but also why why we are in business and what we believe in and, and what we're really passionate about and then um, you know on social media I have uh, been quieter than usual but um, at chef eduardo Garcia uh, is my handle and i uh, i actually i really love instagram I think it's been a such a unique and expressive place to get to know the world at large. So I really enjoy it. So if you come on to Instagram and, and, and you're cruising through my platform and have any question following this show or, or anything, uh, no matter what, just send me a direct message and I will, I'll say hi back.
3: All right, brother. Well, Hey, I, I certainly appreciate mm-hmm. it. Thanks for sharing your story. It's it's certainly an inspiring one. And, uh, yeah, whenever you want to come, uh, Stack up some of these Texas hogs. Just let me know.
4: Year round, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> day, night, whenever. No limit, no season. You got it. Thermal, night vision, the whole, the whole nine yards.
4: Oh my goodness! All right, well, Cable. Hey, thanks for having me, and nice um, connect with another First Light team member. You know, I've met so many just tremendous, heart driven people through that that brand, and. So thanks to First Light and thanks to Kevin for connecting us and yeah, um, and to everyone here that knows your show and knows your platform. It's nice to meet you
3: and I'm you know grateful to have been here. Appreciate well hey it. hey thanks again man I certainly appreciate it. I look
1: forward to uh, to actually shaking your hand next time that we meet.
4: Yeah hey same. Take care. Thanks everyone. Bye cable.
1: All right Chef Eduardo Garcia, man what a story and uh, talk about living life to its fullest that's certainly what he's doing having had to reinvent himself like you mentioned figuring out who he was after his accident and it turns out he's still the same old guy (laughs) it just takes a little more effort to make a decent presentation to that big old brown trout or to draw a bow but nevertheless eduardo still rocking and rolling and making great food on top of all of it uh man love it that segment Brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for uh, like a decade, maybe more. Whether that's a tail shoulder mount, a, a fish that you want to have a replica made like this uh, speckled trout in the office, a black bear from Canada, a full body lynx or bobcat or anything in between, uh, an entire African safari, whatever the case. They do amazing work, offer quick turnaround time, and you can trust them. They answer the phone when you call. You can find them at gr, the number eight, mounts.com. Unfortunately, looking at the clock, we got to go, got to get out of here, flat out of time. Thanks to both of our guests today, Henry, as well as Eduardo. Um, thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors Show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, Y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm like a
0: In a wild west Texas wind, you're blowing me away again.